All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Jack Hanna's Wild Animal Kingdom. That's a joke, but I'll get into that with our guest. I am actually Adam Smith with Just Tips Coaching, and welcome to a, another episode of How I Met Your Mortgage. And with me, as always, is our co-host, one of our other coaches, our marketing director, a general life guru, Yogi Somye, Jen Weyborhart. Jen, are you with us? I'm here. Cool. And we've got a really cool guest for you guys today. It's not actually Jack Hanna. I'm sorry to say, because that would make for a cool guest, although I don't know what Jack would tell us about lead gen or client retention or team structure or anything in the normal scope of our little business podcast here. But please do welcome to the show a first-time guest, which isn't all that common for us anymore, Kevin Boudreau. What's up, man? How are you? I am doing wonderful. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm I'm excited to be here. Have Have you seen the movie Blue Chips? Years ago. Okay, so there's this scene where they're trying to recruit these young athletes to come to college. One of them, played by Shaquille O'Neal, is named Boudreau, or maybe it's yeah. Budo, but nonetheless, a real Creole kind of name, just like you've got in the way that they had announced that in the arena when they first, when the kids first get to see it. Uh, is uh, still clinging in the back of my mind about how I wanted to introduce you today. So I uh, channeled my best, uh, you know, basketball announcer there that I could think of to. You did great. I bring it. You know, the vowels throw everybody off. There's too many vowels. It's a lot of them. Just to say O oh, at the end, Boudreaux, and they like they see all those vowels and they get all confused. So. And there is no O. Yeah. There's no O at the, well, at the beginning, but not at the end. Yeah, where you would think it should be. <laughs> yeah, right. How how very French Cajun. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I'm I'm guessing your family's from Louisiana. Straight bayous, home of Louisiana. All my relatives are still there. We're the only ones. Uh we my dad moved to Florida in like 68. About the time the mouse got going. He's a was an engineer and he came over here. And I'm a Florida boy, born and raised, and uh and still there. Still there? Yeah. Very cool. And give us a little bit of background as far as why in the hell would we ask you to be on this show? What do you do? How did you start? Where are you coming from? And if you'd say anything yet about being a farmer, I'm going to, you know, cut it off right there. So I've been doing mortgages 20 years. So, I mean, I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. Some ugly, some good, some bad. Mostly good, though. Mostly good. Mostly really really good but yeah there's you know been a few tough years uh this year was definitely a little challenging but it was exciting in certain ways as well and for sure you know i think a lot of good's going to come out of it for the professionals that you know focus on their systems and really gain some market share because a lot of loan offers will will be gone soon i I think we already figured about half half yeah that's they say i'm fine with 40 percent to 50 is great too but give me at least 40 percent. let's get the riffraff out of the business and let the professionals rise to the top where do you work uh i run a branch for fairway independent mortgage corporation i've been here six years now um and i actually went to school i was a speech language pathologist i worked with kids with speech and language delays and I was in the school system for about four years, got my master's degree in that. And I just got so burned out in the system 
uh, I got into financial planning and one of the licenses I got was mortgages. I was doing life insurance, mutual funds, mortgages, and I had a thing for mortgages. And in 2003, I quit the financial planning and went to work for a buddy's mortgage company. And here I am 20 years later on your podcast. Wow. And it, and it only took you 20 years to achieve this level. I know. I'm a, I'm a quick learner. <laughs> Um, okay, we're going to cut you some slack because I think we've only been doing this for six years. Okay, um, so we'll we'll give you a little bit of a break there. So for those of you that don't know, Fairway is definitely what we would consider retail in the industry. And while I get the question a lot, my answer always has to be, I don't know. Um, our coaching clients, other colleagues, should I be wholesale? Should I be retail? I don't know. I've only ever been wholesale. Took a job many years ago, more than 20, as a mortgage broker, a wholesale mortgage broker, and kind of learned the ropes. And what's getting close to probably 20 years now, I opened my own brokerage. That was in 05. So, yeah, we'll uh, be celebrating 19 years of that this spring of being a broker owner. Sometimes that's still blows my mind. So I don't really know. Um, have you ever been on the wholesale side? Yeah. My first 12 years in the business, I was a broker. I had my own shops past a little past the crash. You know, I had to shut everything down and uh, change gears after the crash, but I stayed in the industry. Okay. Um, you know, we had multiple branches, you know, we, it was a good run and then it was a good fall, unfortunately. <laughs> um and then with all the changes and stuff, uh, so I stayed a mortgage broker actually a few years after the crash. And then I got a really good job offer for a 50 state nationwide bank. Um, it was a direct lender, obviously. And I took it and uh, was there a couple of years until they actually sold the bank. No one knew. Just sold it. And um, it was going to be a disaster where they were going. And it only lasted four months. So that's when I found Fairway and I got out of Dodge and that it was it the whole ship imploded so i'm glad i wasn't there for that i'll bet yeah the just the right time to have exited uh for that particular scenario so what are the big three differences i mean you've seen both sides of the coin for multiple years on each side are there really big differences honestly i because i haven't been in the broker side for you know what about eight eight nine years now at the time when I left, there was some differences for sure. Um, okay. It was much easier to deal with your underwriters, your processes, your, like your team. You, you could pick up the phone. You know, sometimes on the wholesale side, you had good lenders and you didn't have good lenders. Mm. Um, you know, yeah, you definitely that's had... still true, by the way. Okay. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> some of them actually give a crap. Some of them don't. I, I, you know, it, what, what burned me is, okay, oh, I'm out of rushes. No, I need to rush my my package. Oh, I can't rush that. So if I need something, you know, at Fairway, I can get it out in an hour or two if I need it. So like, so once I got into the direct side, I've loved it. You know, I've had some of my best years ever. So, you know, I don't think there's a right perfect system for anybody, though. That That's the thing. I think if you're a good LO, I think you can thrive wherever you're at, wherever they can support you uh, and let you grow and use your talents. Yeah, that's pretty much always been my answer when I get the question. I think company culture is huge. I don't know enough about Fairway to answer the question about their culture, but considering their longevity, considering how many of our colleagues, right, we're probably talking the top 
you know, two, three, four hundred LOs in the country have been with Fairway or are with Fairway, that that probably speaks volumes all on its own. And I would say that that's probably a big difference, that it's all internal. You don't really have any outside third party sources solving problems or on the opposite side of the coin, creating havoc. And that is certainly something still that a wholesaler is going to have to deal with. No question about that. Um, a lot of our ops are internal, but we have the ability to do that after all this time. And, you know, you guys in the wholesale channel, if you're a mortgage originator and you're listening to this, you can control that. It's just a matter of how much you want to put in. But when people do ask, I think company culture is a big one. And I think Kevin nailed it on the head where who is going to support you best? Who is going to support your clients best? And I'm not sure that that really has fuck all to do with wholesale versus retail. I don't think that that really matters. If you're with an operation that really supports your business and you're with an operation that really supports what your clients need to achieve, that's the answer to the question. I don't think wholesale versus retail. A lot of people ask the wrong questions, so they get the wrong Uh, answers. ah, Oh, it's kind of like AI. If you're if you're not asking garbage in, garbage out. So yeah, very cool. All right. So after all this time of doing this, brief hiatuses aside, a couple of decades is some significant longevity. Not that we ever really hear about new mortgage originators because the bar is pretty high. Um, where's it coming from? Who are your clients? Where are they surfacing from? I've got to assume after 20 years, a shit ton of it's repeat and referral. It is. Most of it's from realtor referrals and past clients. I don't buy any leads. I I mean, (laughs) I've done Zillow over the years with realtors, MSAs and stuff. I just build relationships. I try to have fun. Like, I'll just give you a little sample. I do videos, you know, updates. I ring a cowbell when we got our clear to close. I get all excited. So I try to give personal touches to the consumer because... None of them want a mortgage. And it, you got to get that through your head as an I don't want a mortgage. No one wants it. They want a house. I got a lot of them and I don't want one. My analogy is always like the movie Twins. Arnold Schwarzenegger is like, the, that's the house. He's Danny the house. DeVito's the leftover shit from the test tube, baby. That's the mortgage. <laughs> that's, right? they, and they have to be a pair. So we try. I try to make it fun. Like if you can't laugh and have a good time, like you're not probably my ideal client. You know? Okay. If you do, can't do your clients things. know that you don't just have a cowbell, that you actually have a cow? Most of them do. And I don't mean that know. in the 1980s colloquialism, don't have a Bart Simpson, don't have a cow, man. I mean, you actually have a cow. I have two cows. I have two a boy cows. and a girl. They're about 900 to 1,000 pounds each. They're gentle giants, but they break my fences a lot. So I'm always chasing them out of the neighbor's yard, fixing fences. Yeah, in my when I'm not doing mortgages, I'm playing on the farm. Okay. And we're going to get into that because I do think that there is something relevant to our conversation when it comes to Kevin's farm. There's actually a formal name for the farm, isn't there? Whimsy Farms. Yeah, Whimsy. Right. Okay. So let's get into the Wayback Machine. Okay. How did this start? Where were clients coming from when you made this negligible shift from doing financial planning, including mortgages, into just doing mortgages? Who are those back people? Then? God, everybody I talked to. 
Okay. You know, uh, rates had dropped a little bit. The market was hot. Literally, my chiropractor, I did three loans for people in the chiropractor. Uh, I went anywhere. It literally, like, I didn't know what I didn't know back then. Like, like the, the, the knowledge over 20 years is amazing. But at sure. the time, I was just telling everybody, do you need to buy? Do you want to buy? And it, it worked. I mean, it, it wasn't anything, any rocket science or anything special. I just would run my mouth and make friends. And still doing it 20 years later. Yep. With a little more knowledge, though. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm thinking running your mouth might be eliminating friends. <laughs> Sometimes you got to, you know, get rid of the riffraff. <laughs> uh, we're we're, we're going to call it some spring cleaning for sure. So, yeah, I do think that that's important. And frankly, I'll bet you're still doing it. And some of it is shifted from the subconscious, from the subpsyche, from the motivation. The, the I don't know. I'm not even really sure how to describe it. But for those of you that are relatively new, mortgages, real estate, insurance, financial planning, anything where you've got a direct-to-consumer gig for a large ticket item, a mortgage, a house, even a car, you have got to be in a mindset where you're just going to turn that conversation. You're going to constantly make sure that you are having conversations about what interests you. And at that point in time in your career, your job had better interest you. Your career had better be of interest to you because if it's not, you're not. It's not a career. Now it's a job. All right. So that's a big deal. Now I would say all this time later, you're just having those conversations because it's just part of who you are. It's woven into your fabric. Shit, I still have mortgage dreams from time to time. And and why wouldn't you? After a quarter of a century of doing this kind of stuff, it's just going to be so ingrained, so embedded that it's going to happen. So I'll bet you're still doing it. I'll bet you're just doing it a little differently. And the reasoning behind why you're doing it is different. Yeah. There's, now there's not even a reason. Now it just happens. Correct. You know, you see your opportunities, but you know, what's really funny because I've been doing this, you know, 20 years, my wife probably knows no, she can talk about mortgage better than a lot of the originators out there. Just hearing all the conversations over the years, she knows more about mortgages than half the people on the street, which is are, crazy. But are we looking at your home office? Yes. Okay. So you're working from home most of the time, yeah. all the time. 80%. Okay. That's know, a good I, job. I have a little branch in a real estate office, but you know, I go a couple times a week. My loan partner goes a couple times a week, but I, I work with the animals. The animals need feeding all the time. So I'm usually here. Are, are you out on your cell phone having phone conversations while mending fences? Yeah. And they're laughing. Clients can hear all the geese and the donkeys <laughs> yelling and screaming and making noise. And, you know, they get a kick out of it. Yeah. We heard your chickens right before we went live. So maybe we'll hear that again before we're done. So, if you're working from home, then the people that are around you are hearing your conversations, yeah. right? So there's no question that that kind of thing has bled outside of the walls of the little room you're sitting in right there. And yeah, that doesn't surprise me. You guys have been together a long time. You've been doing this a long time. So yeah, that she speaks mortgage better than most of the originators out there would not, not most, surprise but me. definitely a good chunk of them. Yeah, yeah. Not anymore, but two years yeah. ago, it was most. <laughs> All right, so you had brought this up, and I do think it's something important to talk about. And Jen and I really haven't had the opportunity to have this conversation on the podcast yet with somebody. But the last year or two have been interesting. In fact, I'm really looking forward to 2023 being over because everything seemed weird. Even the weather 
seemed weird. Everything was just weird. Uh, for those of you that don't follow me ridiculously closely, closely, I had to go get flea medication for my dogs this weekend. We don't have fleas in Colorado. That's unheard of. I've had dogs my whole life. It's dry. It's arid. It's cold. The uh, climate in the high desert is really strange. We don't have fleas. We had such a ridiculously wet summer that the dogs have fleas. Dogs, in general, have fleas. Go figure. So the year has just been weird. But you said that there were some significant highlights to it. And I want to see if we jive on those. Because when people ask, I'm like, "Mm, you know, there really isn't a shortage of people that want to borrow money. Just the who and why that changes. So we saw an enormous influx of reverse mortgages and second position mortgages. And obviously, there's still a lot of purchase mortgages. People need a place to live. So that kind of thing really didn't change all that much. Product type, maybe a little bit. Clientele by age, that kind of thing may have changed a little bit. But the highlights in my mind were that 20 and 21, while being very lucrative, were really kind of a drag. Um, It was boring. You may as well have just given me a headset and stuck me at the drive-in and told me to recite, would you like fries with that? Because every time the phone rang, it was the exact same thing. I want to lower my rate. Okay, I know you do. I'll talk to you in 30 days. And my entire team working 60 hours a week was Looney Tunes. Um, Actually, I had a meeting with a real estate agent about some of this stuff last week, and he asked me, how many people did you have to lay off? None. Have to lay off anybody. I don't, and he's, oh gosh, all the mortgage people I know are laying off people in droves. I was like, okay, that's interesting, but nope, that certainly never happened for us. Um, maybe I'm an anomaly. So I think that there were some highlights there, but I think the biggest one is that we actually got to get back to where we were creative and solving problems and figuring out solutions, which you don't have to do when all you're doing is answering the phone and asking if they'd like fries with that. So I think it's been a lot more satisfying, a lot more entertaining. Um, And I really like the fact that, oh yeah, it turns out I actually do know what I'm doing when it comes to solving problems with real estate finance stuff. Uh, Because you didn't have to do that for a couple of years there. It was really boring. And the last couple of years have provided a real opportunity to do that. And I'm thinking you and I may be jiving on that particular highlight over the last couple of years, but I certainly wanted to get your take on what you thought was highlights over the last couple of years. I 100% agree with that. Um, The type of clientele, the amount of problems you have to solve up front. And that's you know, a lot of the LOs out there, hopefully the ones that aren't renewing their license, they think yeah. the job starts when the contract comes in. And that's why I cleaned up so many messes after they didn't do their due diligence. To me, a loan officer's job is done up front. You got to be whatever you got to do. If you got to underwrite the file up front, if you have to call your underwriters, if you need certain documents that you know could screw up the deal, you get them up front before they ever get excited and put their money on down on a house. And it's too late to solve problems then. And also, we, of course, we might have a low appraisal issue or something that's not on sure. us, right? Collateral but, base, not borrower base. Yeah, but borrower based problems should be figured out and done up front. And if you do that, 90% of your problems, to me, I'm just a babysitter for the file once it comes in. Like we do that, me and my loan partner, we do the tough work up front. We figure it out, whether it takes a couple hours on some clean ones or it takes a week because we need a whole bunch of documents that they're you know, taking their time to get to us. But we are going to, when we give that pre-approval to that realtor, they're done. 
They just got to find a house and then the house has to obviously uh, comply. <laughs> uh, no, no major issues there. But um, and so many people make the mistake of doing these fast approvals, but not doing them really thorough. And that, I think that's a huge mistake. It's it's who who wants to have their name to a letter that has your reputation tied to that? Yeah, I don't know if that one's going to be good. Like a lot of the online lenders have not the best oh. reputation with the local realtors. <laughs> right. There's a lot of LOs that have the same reputation and uh, you, you don't want that. That will well, follow you for a long time. I think that there's some truth to that. And I think one of the things that might be keeping us modest in that sense, at least over here on this side of the Mississippi, is that I just don't have the time. I cannot afford the time or the money to pay my team for their time to work on transactions that aren't going to close. I need to be thorough. I need to make sure that if I'm going to really jump in with both feet and work on this transaction for somebody, that there is going to be a finish line. I, I just can't see doing it any other way. And some of that may be the longevity. And some of that may be that newer LOs don't quite have that grasp of what really has to go on, particularly in a market like this. Because a lot of newer LOs, this is the first time they're probably seeing a market like this. Yeah. Okay, So that could be part of it. But there is something that you really said that I want to drive home a little harder. And I don't think that this is unique to people in the mortgage space. I think this is true with people in the real estate space. Property and casualty insurance. Uh, if you guys are writing homeowners insurance policies, there's something to this as well. The job does not begin when the contract comes in. That's really speaking volumes to me, Kevin. If you have not done legwork, prep work, research, investigation, problem solving, structuring, all of the above well ahead of time, then none of you have any business letting your client run the risk of being in a binding legal contract for hundreds of thousands or more of their hard-earned dollars. Yeah, that's that's really a big deal to me. And I think you're right. I think there is a lot of that going on still where we think the job starts when the contract comes in. Well, like we've had to adapt because Florida insurance is a absolute shit show right now. Oh, shit show in Florida. <laughs> We're actually, someone makes an offer and we think it's going to get accepted. We actually start getting insurance quotes right away. Well, you know, we don't have the four point in the wind mitt to get a final one, but we make sure, especially if it's a manufactured home. Oh my God, that's tough. <laughs> okay. I mean, those, it, that is one of the toughest things right now. Is okay, older note to self, don't home. buy manufactured home in hurricane territory. Got it. Yeah, it's rough. Okay. <laughs> so we, so, you know, we adapt, you learn, okay can't, you know, can't sit on it, can't have the client wait to get it. We, we start a lot of those things for them and at least, at least initiate that stuff. Because if we're tight on DTI, a lot, a lot of first time buyers are tight with debt to income. Because I might not have a loan in a few minutes if that insurance quote isn't where it needs to be. Yep. A lot of due diligence will save a lot of headache. Yeah. Just be yeah. proactive instead of reactive. Now, there's sometimes you have to be reactive. Things will come at us in this business. But most of the time, if you have a proactive process and you're just thinking one or two steps ahead, it's not rocket science, you know, but you got to be a couple steps ahead of the process. That's really smart. That's really smart. 
Okay. So I'm guessing that you've had some time to fine tune this stuff over the last couple of years, that process in particular. Obviously, we've always talked about over decades of doing this, that you will have slower years. Um, we certainly saw it in, what, 07, 08, uh, and certainly again here in 22, 23. But in my mind, that's perfect time to be systemizing, automating improving your processes, so on and so forth, so that when it does come back, and oh my gosh, is it already coming back? And it's going to come back with a vengeance. I've already picked up a bunch of clients that are refinancing mortgages they took out earlier this year and last year. Earls, streamlines, this kind of thing, just because of what we've seen in rates the last couple of months. And obviously, if you have the freedom to do that, you're probably going to do it more than once anyway. I did on the house I'm sitting in right now. Um, yeah, what I don't know, but dropped a point on at least more than one occasion, that kind of thing. And that downtime is really valuable to be working on your business because you're not all that busy in your business. So feed us some highlights. 23, 22, what are some of the really cool things that Kevin implemented, fine-tuned, adjusted to really make this process better for you, for your loan partner, for the support team at Fairway, for your clients, for your referral partners, everybody. Well, one of the things we did is we put everything on paper. We literally broke out every single step and then we figured out, is it going to be my loan partner? Is it going to be me? Is it the processor? And we, I mean, it had hundreds of steps. So we started with that as our roadmap. And then we tried to add some fun things in, like I started using send out cards. So for $100 a month, you can send out all the cards you want, unlimited. So when someone gets a contract, we'll send some brownies to the client, a card. A realtor sends us their first referral. We're going to send them brownies or cookies, thanking them, you know, because they could have chosen anyone to, to pre-approve their clients. So we want to show that we, we care. Um, that was huge because it's just little things to show appreciation. You know, um, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm helping them get to a smooth on time closing, but that's my job, you know, and I want them to know that we care above and, and beyond. If, and if I got to go run through a brick wall to, to make it work, I'll run through that brick wall if, if I'm right. Right. You know, uh, with underwriters or anybody, I will fight it, take it to the highest level, whatever I have to do to get their deal done, especially when someone's wrong, which happens occasionally, you know, it even does. our underwriters are amazing, but sometimes they just can't see the forest through the trees or they're just having a bad day or whatever. Sometimes you got to go over their head and I have no problem doing that. So just little tweaks, little things, you know, I've always done video updates probably for about four or five years now, maybe six. Um, and that's just a nice little touch. Um, but then my loan partner knows exactly what she does on every file. She creates the stuff in Canva for, you know, under contract, we tag the realtor, tell them how awesome they are, you know, little things. It goes a long way though. And we do it. It's like a McDonald's now. And we do tweak <laughs> it too. Every, But it's like a system, right? It, it, it's not, oh, I got a loan. What do I do next? Right? It's like you throw it through the system. Uh, Jen, you have got to be just over the moon. And this happens when we talk to people that have been doing this for a long time and doing it well. I think the first thing you mentioned was how to lay out this system. And we talk about this a lot in our team structure with our coaching program. And if you look in my conference room, you will see a giant 12-foot marker board that lays out all the tasks that have to be done so that deals close and who doesn't. 
Yep. And here's Mindy, one of my LOAs, actually commenting on Kevin's comments here, which uh, hang on, Mindy, because we'll get to it. Milestone videos. We do. We teach on. We coach on. Yes. Hey, here's what happens next. We received your application. Adam, on video, here's what happens next. Your documents have been received. Here's what happens next. Your file's gone to processing. Here's what happens next. Your appraisal's ordered. There are like 12 or 15 videos that we send out to everybody over the course of a transaction. Um, the graphic work, Canva work, we have an entire module on Canva. Jen, uh, her eyes got a little uh, light when <laughs> you had mentioned that, no question. And then there was something else that really struck a chord with me there at the end of what Kevin was saying, and I lost track because Kevin's just saying so many all of it. things. All of yeah, it. all of it. It is, yeah, seriously. Oh, the freaking McDonald's. Mindy, thank you for your comment. That made an enormous uh, difference in the reminder there. I tell everybody, our coaching clients, my team, thank you for the reminder. Mindy, I want everybody's mortgage to go like a Big Mac. And we do it. And for those of you that are in the business, mortgages, real estate, again, insurance, financial planning, whatever, where you have to have these kinds of systems, Go watch The Founder, please. Uh, 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 the portrayal of Ray Kroc is just out of this world in that movie, Michael Keaton. Um, so yeah, an, an application comes in. I'm, I'm doing the getting to know you. Are we going to be a good fit? Are you going to drive my team crazy? That kind of thing. But after that, an application comes in. And Mindy is the person who lays out the paper and puts down the bun on every transaction. She gets credit reports. She does the data entry, so on and so forth. She moves it on down the line. Erica does the next step. She puts the, you know, she's grilling the meat. She puts the meat on the bun. She's the one uh, looking up the pricing and doing the structuring. I mean, these kinds of things. I want every transaction to run the same way. I want that process to be smooth and consistent and constant because that's what's going to enable our client, our referral partner, whoever else is involved in the transaction to have that wonderful experience of shoving Ray Kroc's hamburger into their mouth at the end of the deal, right? And I think uh, that Ray Kroc even says something, that's the best hamburger I've ever had. Of course, he's confused because the food shows up right away. And he, where do I sit? And he's like, go sit wherever you go, sit in the park, go sit in your car. The kid in the McDonald's one is trying to help him understand how you eat a McDonald's hamburger. Because the process was so mind-blowing for Ray Kroc that he, he just lost his entire path on how to eat a hamburger. So, yeah, th thank you, Kevin. That is some phenomenal stuff to throw that McDonald's reference in there because you may be the only other person I've heard say it really? the way that I say it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I don't think we've ever had anybody on the show describe it the same way I describe it, that I want that process to be so systemized, so automatic, so familiar to everybody on my team that they can do that. Another big benefit of that marker board uh, in our conference room is that if somebody's out for a day, a week, whatever, we can all go look at it and see what gaps we have to fill. Hey, Erica's out this week. What are her normal tasks involved in this transaction? Great. I'll pick up this. Mindy, you pick up that. Sarah, you pick up that. Jen, you pick up that. And we just keep the Big Macs coming. So, yeah, huge stuff. All right. I will put in there also that <clears throat> Robert Harris, who uh, is still welching on a bet from a year and a half ago, 
uh, also said he loves him some Kevin. And yes, I love we, me some Robert. We, we certainly love Robert. Oh, I hate to admit that. And we certainly do uh, love Kevin as well. Kevin, this has been fantastic, man. I can't believe that we've already burned through our time and then some. We could and, go all day, but I know we can't. No, but well, let's, no, let's do another episode. Okay. Yeah, Jen, get Kevin on the books for another episode. We didn't even get to talk about the farm. That's true. All we right. Well, Maybe let, we can let, do it out there. I can do it with the cows in my back, you know, licking my head and stuff. That'd be kind of fun. Oh, well, give us a little bit of background. We know there's two cows, there's geese, there's chickens, there's okay. donkeys. donkeys. Yeah, two donkeys, uh, okay. two cows, five geese, 38 chickens roughly, uh, 18 ducks, two turkeys, uh, four dogs, a rabbit, and a pig. Ah, not the pig you ate this week. No, that he was from Publix. Uh, okay. Beans is a pot belly pig. He wouldn't probably taste very good. So, but he loves eating toes. He will come and try to nibble eat your toes. on your toes. He likes them. Hence the name Beans. Yeah, he was already named. We're we're that house you call when you can't have an animal, a farm animal, or a dog. We've gotten several of our our dachshund and one of our German shepherds. We got from people that. Couldn't handle them. A lot of people can't handle animals and things change. They move or whatever. We are the people. My two donkeys uh, family couldn't have them anymore. And we got the donkeys for free. So, okay. Yeah, I couldn't handle a dachshund either. They're nuts. He's a, <laughs> he, he's a psychopath. He's actually the the biggest pain in the hole. But he's super cute. My son sleeps with him every night. He's But he's a terror. I'm sure. All right. Speaking of people that own way too many animals, way more than they should, Jen, take us home. Uh, What is it now? (laughs) How many dogs and cats and ducks and chicks and geese better scurry? All right. I'm not going to get into my own. All right, guys. So we are officially looking for speakers and sponsors for Social Media Day Denver 2024. Wow. Uh, it's Friday, June 14th, 2024, which sounds far away, but it is just over six months away. So if you or anyone you know would be interested in speaking or sponsoring, please reach out to me. Um, but if you want to find out all the things, just the tips, you can text TIPS to 63566 and it will ping you back all the things, all the links to past episodes of the show, the podcast. Uh, you can book a free hour of coaching with us, get copies of Adam's books, literally all the things. Just text tips to 63566. I can't believe we're talking about social media day already. Uh, I know. So it will be here like this. I mean, I, I feel know. like this year went like that. It so did. fast. Yeah, it did. Yeah, we're what two, three, we're not even three weeks out from 2024, everybody. That is, we only have one episode of the show left this year. Next Monday is our last episode for the year. Oh, well, I don't know who the guest is, but I know it won't be Kevin. So, it's true. We we are not going to get our usual cow talk. Um, but (laughs) tune in on Mondays at 10.30 Mountain Time. If you want to catch us live, you can do that on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. The podcast is on Amazon, Spotify, and Apple on Wednesdays. And we are definitely going to get Kevin back for another episode so that we can have this some was fun. kind of talk. This was yeah. fun. No, this was really cool. And I'm sorry that we haven't done this sooner. And I'm sorry that you and I haven't spent more time talking and schmoozing and um 
well, frankly, eating and growing nice pigs. beards. Ah, I'm I'm way <laughs> behind, but um, and in fact, wasn't there a time that we thought Kevin was bald? I was. Oh, okay. I had three alopecia no. spots, and they got they got to be like that big, so I shaved my head for about a year and a half. And then okay. during COVID, I got lazy in shaving it because we didn't go anywhere, right? You know, for a little while, and I realized they all grew back, so I grew my hair back. Cool. All right, so that was not me uh, having you know an You're acid flashback from you know the '90s. Yeah, that was actually that Kevin did have a bald head at one time. Yeah, I feel a little bit better about the world and my place in it. It, w- it wasn't the uh, Mandela effect. No, you're good. All right. Well, thank you, Kevin. I know carving out this kind of time on a Monday morning is not an easy task. And we obviously took a little bit more of your time than we had expected. But for the rest of you tuning in, catching us live or in syndication, Miranda, Mindy, Rob, thank you for your comments on today's live episode. We will absolutely catch you guys on the next one. And don't forget, tune in for live episodes Mondays at 1030 Mountain Time. And we'll see you next time with another episode of How I Met Your Mortgage. I'm Adam Smith with Just the Tips Coaching. Thank you to both Jen Weber-Hart, our co-host, our marketing director, one of our coaches, and to our incredible guest, Mr. Kevin Boudreau. That was better than I did. Thanks for having me, brother. Thanks for having me. We'll see you guys next time.